I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everyone. This is Chili Willie, Filipino's favorite homeboy. And you're listening to SGP Podcast. You are listening to the longest-running weekly episodic Filipino wrestling podcast. This is the Smart Gilas Filipinas podcast. Stunning Stan C at your service right across me. Ravishing Ro Moran. No rowdy Raf comes tonight. He's off uh, spreading the rowdiness somewhere else. No, no, no. He's catching up on Aldub. <laughs> And, and doing good deeds in the process, yeah. last I checked. Anyway, uh, we, we have to start this off by telling you that it's episode number 82 of the number 16 ranked podcast in the sports and recreation section on iTunes. And it is all thanks to Paeng Bartolome. Oh, yeah. Ray Bartolomeo. At this point, though, I, I, I kind of, well, for the longest time we've been doing this running gag. Yeah. I kind of, you know, we've been up and down so much now. Okay, now we've figured out the formula. Yeah, I, I guess we have. Um, and I, I, we're going to do our best to try to exploit this little formula and see where it takes us. But I don't know. I mean, the, the, this whole peaks, peaks and valleys thing makes it a little bit more fun to, you know, bust out the joke when it does need to get busted out. If you want, well, if you want us to keep busting out the joke, all you got to do is subscribe Download and tell your friends. Yeah, that's pretty much it. You say that's what gives. Uh, that's what pushes up up there. You know? Right, right. And if we ever want to crack top ten again, I think we did. Right, this mm. one, this one week. No, then we, yeah, we top ten. Oh wait, if we ever want to crack, crack top, top 10, twenty, top twenty. Yeah, but we put top fifteen. Now, if we ever want to, no, we did. We actually cracked fourteen. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Now, if we ever want to crack top ten, ever. We can't do it alone. We need your help, right? So you know what to do. Subscribe, download, share the podcast, and tell your friends, right? Now, uh, let's talk about The Flash because it opened its new season this week. And we all knew that uh, the episode one villain would be the Atom Smasher portrayed by none other than the rated R superstar Edge. Yeah. And uh, I had so much high hopes for this episode. Oh, I, mean, I think everyone who's a wrestling fan who watches The Flash expected so much. Not to say that the episode itself was bad. It was not. It was all right to say, you know, it sufficiently set up the whole uh, alternate universe theory. Yeah, the multiverse. Mm. But uh, you expected so much from Edge and his portrayal. Because everyone was so excited about it. I think he was also so excited about it. And it just ended up, okay, he had, what, a a handful of one-liners. Yeah. That's about it. It was kind of like watching... I, I don't want to say this, but it was like watching a John Cena match. But he just had a couple moves, and then that was it. But um, Captain Boomerang had more stuff to say. Yeah, and Captain Boomerang isn't even that memorable in uh, in, in The Flash. So, yun, medyo nakakalungkot. But um, I wanted to see the human element to his character. No, I think, though, that uh, if you know who the Atom Smasher is, and I'm not saying I know because I just looked at him up. I just looked them up on Wikipedia yeah, same this here. afternoon. 
Um, I'm not. A, I'm a Marvel guy, but if you know who he is, I, I have a theory that he might come back and have a bigger role. It's weird because eh? the way I took it is he killed the Al Rothstein of Earth One. Oh, no. so so the, the, the Atom Smasher who became the villain was like. But Earth that's two. not to say that's not to say that he can't have an, a bigger role. On, on another side. I'd love to see that. I think it's possible. Yeah, I mean, to see him as a hero instead of a rogue, right? Because the Atom Smasher of the DC comic lore is actually a superhero. So that would be nice if they can actually explore that storyline. Maka, maka ano eh. You know, testing the waters. Chekhov's gun pa lang siya. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, there, there have been characters in Flash and Arrow and to an extent Gotham who you know, they, they just tease them for one episode in early, early in the season and then like mid-season or towards the finale, they come back and you're like, oh, holy shit. So they were building it to this point. So as Edge fans, as Edge heads, we're hoping that this is what happens to Atom Smasher. I, I haven't seen Edge on Haven and I was wondering if this role was a waste of his talents. Because if, if I were Edge... And I saw the script yeah. of what I'm going to be doing. If I were him, I wouldn't have taken the role right there unless there was something more. Maybe. But um, I know that Haven is sci-fi, right? And uh, The Flash is CW. I, th- I think they're like, under no, the same the Flash umbrella. Flash is sci-fi, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, I mean, like, it's sci-fi as in the genre. Not no, I meant the, the network. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, Haven is sci-fi network. Yeah. Uh, Flash is CW. It must be under the same umbrella because the way I see it is, like, all of these gigs are interconnected. You know what I mean? Oh, no, man. Like, and, like it leads to something bigger. So I'm, I'm hoping that there's something bigger is oh, a bigger oh, sorry, my, my, theory, my theory is, if I were presented with the, with the offer, if I were offered this role, yeah, I would only take it if I saw there was there was more of it down the line. Right, right. Uh, one like, I, I'm not gonna take that, even though you know it's a chance for me to be in the Flash. Yeah, if I were Edge, and you know, you're a guy who's been what in in uh, two seasons of this other TV show. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, only time will tell, as they as they say. So. In this case, yeah, yeah, you know, you got the Flash, um, a series that thrives on manipulating the time-space continuum now. So let's see. Anyway, uh, we got a very special episode uh, to follow up the Rafe Bartholomew mm-hmm. one, and this next, epi- uh, this particular episode is actually the first of two parts because uh, for this week and next week's episode, we have a guest who has seen his share of the wrestling business. In fact, he's wrestled for the WWE and ECW. We're talking about Chili Willie. If you haven't heard of him, uh, this might be a great time to look him up, actually. Uh, he did wrestle in the original ECW, as in the one that, uh, you know, the, the gritty underground promotion that Paul Heyman once ran in the 90s. He also wrestled in developmental for WWE under OVW. And at some point, he was actually being groomed uh, to be the foil to Muhammad Hassan. So we'll talk about that, his, his war stories. Talk about all of that. All of that. There uh, will Chili be a... Willie is our most international wrestler at the moment. Yeah. And uh, there will be a new Jack story in there. We can, uh, we can guarantee it. He's also got some thoughts on PWR, uh, how far we've come in the last year or so. He's been to one of the shows, and he's looking forward to helping out PWR in more ways than one. All of that is coming up through the next couple of weeks. Yeah. It, 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 this this conversation that we had, this interview we had, is so monumental. Not just for, not just in length, but for the podcast as a whole. Yeah, like uh, we we learned a lot. Like if we were sponges, literal sponges, we'd be full to the brim right now. And this is shallow takeaway. Uh, this is a shallow takeaway that uh, at this point we can now say that we have Paul Heyman stories. Vince McMahon stories. Yeah. Uh, Johnny A stories. ECW stories. New Jack stories. Yeah. 
Diba? So we, we have Deep that. Time na tayo. We can now uh, log that as a feather in our caps. Yeah. And we're, no, but, we're no, but on the, on the real, on the real, uh, Chili Willy came in here and dispensed so much knowledge. And, and and freely he dispensed it freely yeah. without uh, no we don't you know oh, you, you, you got to pay for that uh, for for what I want to tell for what you want to hear for like twenty bucks an hour yeah. <laughs> none no, of that kind of no, shit no no uh, Chili Willy was so open and and warm and uh, he's actually very smart as well yeah um, the insights he shared uh, really showed a lot of wisdom and I guess that's something that we were pretty grateful for now he just openly dispensed uh, throughout our interview with him on the podcast and we just can't wait for to bring you, that to yeah, you for you to hear it, all of it yeah, but before we get there, we got to talk about this week in wrestling. And uh, this week, two big things happened. One was an episode of Raw again, and you second, know a big thing you need. Yeah, fine, it's not a big thing. But uh, the the big thing, talaga, was NXT Takeover Respect. All right, uh, I know everyone wants to hear about Takeover Respect right now, so let's run really quick by Raw. All I'm gonna say about this is uh, because of the ratings dip, the lowest ever non-holiday ratings for the past couple of weeks. Which actually in the improve show by this week. Yeah. Um, because of that, the storytelling has become more uh, hardworking. Yeah, it, uh, actually. Um, particularly with certain characters, mm. like with The New Day. Mm. I think The New Day was the best example of a story that they took time to build oh. throughout the, uh, the episode this week. Yeah, and the, I like the fact that, okay, the tag team champions are no longer just messing around with the tag team division. Yeah, um, you actually make their their presence mean something. Because in the past, or at least in recent years, whenever you have the tag team champions, the only way they'd involve themselves in a main event storyline is if one of them was a double champion. Or if one of them was uh, somebody who was in the main event championship scene. Kunwari, when uh, Cena and David Otonga were tag team champions. Or when Cena and The Miz or Cena and Shawn Michaels were tag team champions. Diba? It was, it, it's very rare in this day and age that you'd find the tag team champions in a main event storyline. And they, it took a bit of effort, but it was effort well spent on building the New Day as a credible, uh, credible entity in this main event scene. And it was only relatively recently that you got Randy Orton squashing Cesaro and Kid, the tag team champions, on Raw. Yeah. So I'm like, thank you for, you know, putting some thought into this and actually making uh, the, the side players matter. Say, well, the New Day is now who people want to see. Yeah. And by give, by rewarding them by putting the spotlight on them and you know making them stand tall after destroying everyone. That 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 is an, that that is something new right there. You know uh, without even having to think about it too hard. Now, WWE is making new stars by doing this. And the best part is Kahenaman Pale. Oh. We, we bitch and we moan about the fact that creative is so lazy, creative doesn't think out of the box, and then you see something like this and you go, So why did it have to take um, a result like low ratings or people panicking because of low ratings for this to happen? It's nice. It's actually nice to see WWE get kicked, uh, you know, get get the shot in the arm from time to time because that's when the freshest things come out. And um, we're we're trying to wait for that point when it spreads out organically to everybody else because there are still some problematic points like Dolph Ziggler, for example. Yeah. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago or last week, he was still messing around with Rusev and with Summer Rae, and now. This week, he got Summary proposing to Ruru, and Dolph Ziggler is nowhere to be found when he used to just uh, threaten or like 
hint about messing with Summer Rae backstage. Diba? I think, I think w- what's happening here is that they were taken aback by Cena taking time off after Hell in a Cell. So um, I guess they chose Dolph Ziggler to be the new U.S. champion after that. So they're, they are rushing him to that program. Yeah, Which is weird because yeah. there are other people who are just as deserving. <coughs> Cesaro. Dean Ambrose. Right? Yeah, and so, um, yeah, I, I still think that there are still some things that, that can be improved on. No, you know Things the, they the can't ma- work the ma- on. The major thing they want to do right now, like the most important fix they have to do is put Raw back into two hours. Right. Because Change you, it back. Just you keep programming more crisp yeah. that way. Um, three hours is tiring. We've said that over and over again across different platforms. Three hours is tiring. And if you keep it to two hours, you can say less is more. Yep. Less exactly. is more really applies here. Right? So, so there. Um, anything else you want to touch on, Saro? Uh, the less we say about it, the better. Fine. Uh, if, if you want to know more, if you want to like uh, argue with us or whatever, hit us up on Smart Henry. You can check it out. Uh, the Smart Henry Raw report is up there. I, I took some time to write it. And uh, I, there's another Raw recap I read this week from Joe the Grappler Marsalis over on Rappler.com. You can check that out too. And you know, just hit us up um, and, and let us know how, how, uh, what, what you thought about this week's episode of Monday Night Raw. Now, the good part. Let's talk about NXT TakeOver. Mm-hmm. NXT TakeOver Respect, from the name itself, you could tell that the theme was all about establishing respect. And, you know, it was obvious, but it was good. It, it was good because it made, um, it, it, it gave a nuance to the storylines heading into the pay-per-view. I think I like this, this TakeOver more than Brooklyn. Oh, no, I liked it more. Yeah, no, yeah. so did I. So everything, did I. Was just, uh, everything was spot on. Right, you, you get like uh, ever since Takeover debuted uh, last year. Yeah, you get every now and then a Takeover that is spot on, and the last one that was spot on was I know what, what, what was I think it was I know, I have an answer. Rival, it might be Rival. No, for me it was Our Evolution. Yeah, Our Evolution. Was our spot Evolution on. was the best. But then I mean, when Sami Zayn won the title, but um, respect is kind of approaching that stratosphere mm. now. Young Rival was the one where uh, Sasha and Becky had their match, right? Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Our Evolution was like the most spot on, uh, the last spot on. So if, you, if, if we could make a top three of all the takeovers, including Arrival, I, I would say Our Evolution's number one, Respect is two, Rival is three. No, Arrival has to be three. Arrival, Arrival. Arrival. Uh, uh, my the first match. one, yeah, the ah. first one. Huh. I, I, I remember seeing it. I remember the matches, but I'm not as attached to it as, say, Rival. But that's just me. That's my I opinion. I like Arrival. Eh? Okay. You know? All right. Let's agree to disagree on number three. Now, uh, NXT TakeOver Respect, no una kasi I didn't have a lot of expectations for it other than the, the Iron Man match. Yeah. But heading into it, um, it, it, it was just a great show from top to bottom. Uh, Apollo Crews versus Tyler it's not, it, was, oh, it wasn't a perfect show. Eh? No. It yeah, was better it was than great. Brooklyn, but it was not a perfect show. Yeah, because like Apollo Crews versus Tyler Breeze is something that Ro and I were arguing about before we hit record. Like I, I saw it coming that Apollo Crews was going to win. That's and the thing. Everyone, I don't have a problem with everyone it. Everyone sees it coming that Apollo Crews was going to win. But when you see the match itself, they were working really good. Yeah. yeah. I like I Tyler Breeze versus Apollo Crews more than I like Tyler Breeze versus anyone else. Maybe except Hideo Itami. But this Tyler Breeze has come a long way since, well, 
Well, it's it's the first Tyler Breeze that I've actually enjoyed watching. Here's a question for you, and here's a good fun fact in the process. Oh. When's the last time Tyler Breeze has won at a takeover event? Exactly. That's the thing. And I'll answer your question. I know. May 29, 2014. NXT TakeOver. Full stop. That's the thing. And I was also talking to Brandon C., uh, our friend Brandon, over Twitter. And, uh, uh, he, he says that, that, that Tyler has moved into the full gatekeeper role. And I think that's that's that sucks because now it doesn't really mean anything when you fight him. I say everyone knows you're gonna beat him if you're actually you're if you're a, a well touted indie star, unless you're an indie star who just walked in like Tommaso Ciampa. Yeah. So um, I wanted Tyler Breeze to win. Cause now that I've enjoyed this Tyler Breeze who has come this far, yeah, I wanted to see a full blown feud, and if. Apollo Crews won the first match. Why would he go on to a feud with Breeze? What if um, the feud becomes something that has championship implications? What if? Sana. Okay. I, I just want to see these two work. Because uh, if, pu- if you push Crews to the, f- to the NXT championship scene, it's going to be a bit, a bit too quick. Yeah. Like, he's still fucking around with Samoa Joe. Whatever that's going to happen. And I would like to see Cruz do something meaningful in the NXT mid-card. Really quickly, since you mentioned Samoa Joe, I'm, uh, now that I think about it, I, I, I saw the NXT All-Star panel this week, and they showed a photo of Samoa Joe uh, going nose-to-nose against Kevin Owens. Uh, Whatever happened to that story? They just aborted that shit, no? In, but not because of anyone's fault. It's more of they needed Owens up at the main roster, so they had to abort it. Yeah, sayang lang. Because I was looking forward to that story. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, having matches that, that should, and shit. No, that, that should have been a takeover match. Yeah, for sure. at least. If we can get that in the main roster somewhere down the line, fine and well, right? Mm. Um, anyway, let's. Uh, are, are we done with Apollo Crews? I, I just want to say, no, you know, I wanted to see Breeze win so that they would have a full feud. That's all. That right. is all. And Breeze needs to win. I'm not the biggest Tyler Breeze fan, and everyone knows this. Yeah. But I wanted to see him win because, come on. If we were going to have a meaningful feud for Cruz to win, then some, somewhere down the line, the opponent has to win and look good. I think the fact that I'm neither agreeing nor disagreeing with you shows the lack of fucks I give about Tyler Breeze at this point. That's the thing. Yeah. And That's it's indicative the of the thing. It's indicative of, of uh, the situation that Tyler Breeze has found himself he in. He should have won against Liger. So Liger was visiting. Yeah, and, and, and you know, he was like, and he Liger, wasn't doing anything. Liger puts almost everyone over. Right, like yeah. he has nothing to, to win or lose by, by losing. Anyway, um, Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic, that deserves to be talked about for, you know, for a good few all minutes. Right, first of all, Camus is wrong. But I saw where he was coming from after I saw last week's episode of NXT. The thing was, though, I knew that heading into the, the, the podcast recording night, he hadn't seen oh, last yeah, week's episode. Oh, yeah, of course. But neither did I. I had. Uh, and even though I saw uh, the mechanics had a bit of mic time, that they had a no, bit I, of... Uh, all I'm going to say, say is that I'm not, I wasn't fully convinced that you know, the mechanics were ever going to win. But all, this, all I was going to say was that the fact that you gave the mechanics some mic time, some time in front of the camera beyond their match, it shows that, okay... We, we have taken this team a little more seriously than the other of the Jabroni teams uh, in this tournament. So it's likely that the perception is that uh, they could possibly pull the upset. Now, the bigger question uh, about the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic is, did the right team win? 
No. Not and, and the thing is, the right teams didn't even make the finals. Yeah, because for me, the right team should have been Jordan and Gable. Mm, see, Willing and Gable. Yeah, let's start calling them that now. Yeah, Willing and Gable should have won the Dusty Tag Team Classic. I don't care. No, no, no not even. Not all right. Fine. If you were if you were gonna give it to a big name, sure. Fine. Finn Balor and and, and Joe. Samoa Joe better better them than Corbin and Rhino. But at least put the actual tag one of the actual tag teams in the finals. My my. Uh, issue though with um, my supposed issue with having Willing and Gable win the championship is you would have wanted that baby face moment. You know what I mean? Na parang uh, do it for Dusty. That's not and, even the tear jerky moment. That is not even the the biggest uh, issue regarding the Finn Balor and Samojo win. It's that by make by having these two singles wrestlers win, even though they're technically the best wrestlers in the the two best wrestlers in the NXT roster. You're still saying now, okay? Why should we have, uh, you know, why should we have proper tag teams if, in the end, all it takes for everyone to be, uh, all it takes for, all it takes to beat the entire tag team division is for two really good singles guys to get together. Right, right. I see where you're coming from, and it kind of undermines the idea of a tag team in the first place. Like, mm. what makes so a tag but, team uh, unique? But maga, but patay maga ano de ba? But patay start and tag team eh. Individually. Individually. We don't need to we don't need to be in a tag team. We just need to get together. Yeah, like fuck getting matching gear, fuck uh, the same entrance music, all of that shit, the Um yeah, exactly. And like and before what? Before NXT I don't even think Joe and Balor work together. Yeah, I don't think they have any history with yeah. each other, right? There's just they just happen to be two big indie names. Yeah. Um I I was still waiting for that turn. Um, you know, no, for, I, for Joe to turn on Finn because of the injury and no, I have or a, something. I, I have this, I mean, uh, if you do it, if you make w- once I saw the the post match ceremonies, yeah. the ceremonies, uh, I figured that if you turned during that ceremony, it, it would be in bad taste. Talaga? Yeah, I would have thought. Yeah, so you got Cody and Goldust. Cody even dropped breaking the whole kayfabe. Yeah, yeah. Co- Cody dropped the whole gimmick just to award the the trophy. But I thought that would have been the best time to get some heat. You know what I mean? But yeah, uh, when everyone's so emotionally vulnerable, the same way that they yank the curtain off from Sami Zayn's celebration. But it's dusty. You know? <sighs> it's dusty. Sami Zayn, at least it's just Sami Zayn. You know, there's no other name involved. Right. I mean, okay. This is a recurring thing now. Now I've been wanting turns to happen at the worst possible times. Like the first was Night of Champions, nung nanalasi Charlotte. Like I wanted Paige to beat Charlotte up in front of Ric Flair, like right then and there when she was celebrating. And now I want like Joe to beat Finn up in front of Cody and Goldust without their makeup on. Mas okay, mas There's no. clearly something wrong with my sense of No, morality. you know what? The Flair thing was all right. Like Flair is there. You know, he's he was a heel before. Yeah. And he's well. For one thing, he's still alive. Okay. So I wouldn't have minded if it happened while Flair was there. But here you have Dusty, who just passed away. Yeah, fine. I'm and his son it. dropped kayfabe just to award a trophy. His sons, both of them. Uh, well, you know, his sons. Well, Goldus has long dropped kayfabe. Yeah. But Cody, I, I, I'm sure it took a humongous amount of effort. To not be stardust yeah. at that moment. Right, right. Uh, uh, well, uh, can we just close this by saying, uh, sayang, uh, they dropped the ball in Jordan yeah, and Gable. Yeah. Um, not, not, not even, you know what, if the mechanics won, I wouldn't have minded either. 
Not to, not that not to say that they should have won, because they should. At this point, I would just I, was, I just think that a proper tag team should have won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although but, in kayfabe, yeah, I get that uh, two of the best wrestlers in the company or in the roster should be winning. I mean, Jordan and Gable could have cheated their way to win, and I wouldn't have cared. But uh, it, it could have. I mean, at this point, in Dusty Rhodes tag team classic is like Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal at Jace. Yeah. So. It wouldn't have mattered who won. It's so, sayang uh, lang. The I think the the only way to at least somehow salvage this is if Finn and Joe got a tag team title shot, and then they end up feuding after that. Yeah, because one of them fucks up, and then the proper tag team actually retains their championships, which they should. I mean, as much as I love Finn Balor, overkill now if he's holding both the NXT title and the tag team championships. Yeah, yeah, right? I agree. Okay, uh, let's move on and talk about the debut of Asuka. It was With, great, no? Yeah, I loved it. Uh, Although I was expecting something like the Apollo Crews debut. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just squashed Ty Dillinger. And it was a showcase of everything he could do. Yeah, and I like the fact that this was actually uh, a, a proper match, a proper balanced match. And that Emma actually got some time uh, mm-hmm. in the ring then, right? At some point. Um, that finisher, the cross-face chicken wing mm-hmm. body scissors combo... Mm-hmm. It's a thing of beauty. Mm. Anganda. Yeah. Right? Uh, she calls it the Asuka lock. I don't care what you call it. It's, it looks brilliant. Like, um, there, there's something about watching Asuka wrestle that makes you, one, forget that she's a woman. Two, um, just, you just get captivated and, and you lose yourself. Na parang, why can't everyone wrestle like this, regardless of sex? She has Hideo Tami's charisma. For sure. And I'm not more, sure if that's more. a good thing. Or, no, that's a good thing. It's a good thing. He knows. She knows how to have fun. Uh, speaking of Hideo Tommy, did you see him? Oh at, yeah, he was there. With the Kanaki, yeah. He looks like he's ready to turn heel with a long hair. He's he's o- he always looks like he's ready to turn heel. Balbasarado No, no. When he started, kasi, with the short hair and yung balbasarado, parang okay lang. Like he was a generic Asian baby face. But now he looks like a yakuza guy. He looks like a yakuza guy in the suit, dude. Pwedeng pwedeng is a heel turn. Yeah, I'm ready for it. My heart is ready. I'm ready for the Finn Balor Hideo Tommy feud. Yeah, um, so ready. Um, if and when Asuka turns heel and challenges Bailey, I would get super excited. Oh, by the way, I think Asuka was holding back. Ah, <laughs> yeah. You thought so? Yeah, I don't think it was that stiff. Well, uh, to her credit, Dana Brooke actually made it look nah, you know, she was legit getting hurt and shit. That was all her. Yeah. Um, so yeah, congratulations, Asuka. You have made a fan out of me. I mean, you know, our boy Lance from uh, Smart Henry, who writes our weekly Cafe Puro series on Puro Resu, would, would uh, chide me for not getting on the bandwagon earlier. But you know, no, no, you know what? Uh, let's be honest here. Let's be fair to everyone. Uh, no, a lot of people hadn't heard of of Kana. I know before she showed up in Brooklyn. Yeah, that was the first time I'd heard of her. So I was curious, pero I'd only seen photos of her match against Ray, an unmasked Ray. Mm. Um, that that uh, that Brian Panties match from from a couple years ago. But after seeing her work against Dana Brooke at Takeover Respect, I'm like, man, I want to watch this girl wrestle even more. So I, I I'm hoping that big things come her way. And uh, let's close out the review of Takeover Respect by talking about that Iron Man match. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, no words. A lot of words, actually. That Iron Man match brought me to tears at some point. Like, I'm not going to lie. Especially, um, like, towards the end. Uh, I've always wondered, how did they time yung mga, yung mga picture-perfect finishes like that? Like, not just 
It was uh, Sasha versus Bailey. Picture perfect. But you know, uh, they're cutting it so close. Yeah. How do how do you do that? Even well, for um, one thing, the clock's right there. <laughs> okay, that helped. Because <laughs> Prince Puma versus Johnny Mundo, there was no clock, yeah. So it was kind of hard for them to pull off yung yung uh, picture perfect finish. I would assume that the ref knew uh, what the time was, and they would just and the ref would just tell them right to go home now. Oh no, you know, uh, you know, it's uh, you know, fifteen minutes past, blah blah blah. But uh, this Iron Man match is so good. Nah. Sasha really healed it up. Like, she made AZ cry. Oh. That was good, by the way. AZ is going to be the new Miz girl. <laughs> no, I, I like the fact that Sasha won by being a heel. Yeah. It was, not, it, it, was a, it was a deviation and at the same time a throwback. Because uh, usually these things would happen by normal means. Now, okay. Uh, uh, the heels would... The heels are supposed to be cheating assholes, but they would also. But nowadays, you know, they would just wrestle their ass off. And the thing about uh, Sasha Banks is, right now, major confused Natalia with what her alignment no, is. No, she's eh. a heel. No, she's a tweener on the main roster. Eh. Oh, on the main roster, sure. Cause, eh, not because of, not deliberately. Well, it's 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 kind of deliberate because eh, they're pitting Team Bad up against the Bellas. But no, when I mean, she's down in NXT, no, I mean, you know I mean, she's the boss. I mean, delib- when I mean when I say deliberately, I mean uh, they're not deliberately making her into this uh, deep, complex tweener, morally ah right, moral uh, amoral character. It's more of they just don't know how to yeah exactly how to write her character exactly. So, um, so so that's happening, and um, at, at least in in NXT, what's great about NXT Sasha Banks is. She knows what her role is and she plays it to a T. Like um, the way that she just slammed Bailey into yung, yung time, into yeah. the screen of the timer, so that Bailey would get counted out. Or the fact that she stole the first fall by leveraging the ropes. That was Johnny Mundo shit, by the way. Yes, it was. <laughs> the first, first pinfall was an eye poke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, I remember Cesaro Zane two out of three falls. The first fall was a headlock. Oh, I remember that too. Um, I'm still I'm still in awe with how Johnny Mundo got yung advantage against Prince Puma when he used the crowbar, yeah. to get two three falls in a row. I was kind of surprised that Sasha Banks didn't take a page out of that. I kind of wanted to see her do that just because I think I think that was a bit too extreme. You know, not not uh, a crowbar. Isn't that thirty minutes? Eh? The, the, the the reason why that worked that you know Johnny Mundo was able to go crazy with the crowbars because they had sixty minutes to fill. Right, and you only have thirty minutes and. If you trash someone with a weapon and expect to rack up the wins, they're not going to get it back in, 30, in under 30 minutes. Okay, fair enough. Um, oh, I, I had to say this as well. We have to give props to Byron Saxton for mm. calling out the color schemes of both women. Yeah. Because uh, comment, commentators don't normally pay attention to the colors of uh, wrestlers' attires, deba. Right? Like when CM Punk started wearing pink after Macho Man died, we had to make that connection yeah. by ourselves. But Byron Saxton going out of his way to say that this is how Sasha Banks looked when she first entered the business five years ago, and this is Bailey's look because it's an Iron Man match and she's paying homage to Iron Man. God bless you, Byron Saxton. This is why I uh, this is why I did what I did at uh, Renaissance when I called out Brian Leo's color scheme, shit like that. It's, we don't know that yet. <laughs> well, it's gonna come out once yeah. it, it goes up on gpnlive.com. What I'm trying to say is, it's what I from my commentary teams. And this is what I try to do when I call matches. Well, well thank you. 
So I appreciate it, Byron Saxton. Thank you for setting a great example. My favorite part of the, of the of the match was the finish. Yeah, because well, first thing for those of you who don't know, Bailey went full on Brian Danielson in that finish. Like you thought she was a nice wrestler who didn't want to really hurt anyone. The fact that she had to do that in order to get uh, to get uh, Sasha to, to tap out shows that. There was growth. There was character growth in the span of 30 minutes in a single match. Not just 30 minutes. I would say in career arc ni Bailey because it was in question. No, no, no. I mean, like, I mean, like, uh, there was so much growth in that in that one match, and especially in that last minute. Yeah. But okay, uh, I've tried everything, and now this is the last thing I've got. She's never seen this before. Yeah. And she's still not tapping. Right, right. So I have to start smashing her face in, or her head in now. And her hand. Yeah. And, you know, um, I, I guess to your point, it's a microcosm. Those 30 minutes were a microcosm of Bailey's career arc. Because when she started, she was this uh, this really happy girl, very chibi. Mm. Una, she didn't buy her own gimmick. Right. And that's why people, uh, that's why people like you didn't buy her. You were like, but you know, Bailey isn't very convincing. I remember we used to chat yeah. about this some two years ago. Now, Bailey isn't very convincing. So I looked her up and I was like, oh, nga, may, may, may konting kulang, di ba? And then she started buying into the chibi character. And then she started being the hugger. She started being everyone, you know, the children's favorite to the point that even someone like Kevin Owens would say that her joy is infectious. Yeah. yeah he said this uh, during the All-Star panel. Now, she gets to this point where she's already the champion, but there's still those lingering doubts. Now, Sasha Banks would throw her way because her credibility not just as the NXT Women's Champion but as an evolved Bailey character was being thrown into question and that's why uh, towards the end of the match the evolution of the Bailey character na, she has this edge which she uh, you know when pushed to the brink lumalabas yung edge yeah. like that, that monster inside you I guess that's what separates someone like Bailey from someone like John Cena because Bailey is willing to accept oh, no, wait, 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 wait. you cannot say that about Cena Cena has gone to that place he has, but not when it's necessary. And yeah. I say this because he didn't do that when he had to against Bray Wyatt. Yeah. Right? Or Brock. Or Brock. Right. But he, w- he would go to that dark place when you don't expect him to, or when you don't want him to. You know what I mean? Yeah. See, Bailey, she let the darkness it's- out at the right time, at the right moment. I guess that's what separates these two characters. He went to the dark place against Rusev. <laughs> yeah. And Kali. Yeah. Yeah, but you, you get the point I'm trying to make. Yeah, no, yeah, no. Like, the point is, in no, a way, they're analogous to each other. It's just that um, I hope that they don't screw Bailey up. You either die, Bailey. You, you either die a Bailey, or you live long enough to be the boss. <laughs> I love it. Dark Knight reference. All right. Uh, so, uh, and of course, uh, the ending uh, with the entire NXT roster coming out to you know uh, just applaud uh, Bailey and Sasha Banks. That was great. Um, I teared up. I was crying, especially when Sasha Banks broke down. Um, I wonder, uh, what does that say about your champion when you moments like that when they bring out the entire roster? Because few and far between lang yun eh. That that happened one when uh, the roster took out Seth Rollins during his championship match against Big E. Right. That happened when Sami Zayn eventually won the NXT title. Right. And it happened at the third instance. When I think, I think when that happens, it's an on-screen kayfabe um, acknowledgement that this is actually the moment where you have made it. So it wasn't that uh, last time at Brooklyn for Bailey, 
but parang for this one it was because first she had successfully defended her championship yeah. against the former champion and second of all that they had actually main evented a, a, a special event right right if that is making it if that is not making it i don't know what is you know what if um if if bailey or if if the fate that awaits bailey on the main roster is the confusion that people like Sasha Banks are going through. I'd rather have Bailey in NXT. I don't think you say that for everyone. Yeah, but you know, I mean, like, because in a graduation match, it was Sasha Banks, right? But that's that's exactly yeah, yeah. essentially what it was. I don't want Bailey to have that graduation match. Then I mean, like, you know, we're seeing enough NXT talent um, get wasted on Raw. Sayang. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, so, so we're done going through NXT Takeover respect. Uh, our picks of the week will be coming from the show. Rest assured. But right now, we got to give you our exclusive interview with Chili Willy, ECW alumnus, WWE slash OVW alumnus. It's a, it's a fun chat. And like we said at the top of the podcast, we learned a hell of a lot, and we hope that you learn a lot as well, and that you enjoy this conversation. Well, it's gonna be over two weeks. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we're sitting here right now, episode 82 of the SGP Podcast, rolling on with our second ever international wrestler who's guessing on the podcast. He is an alumnus of ECW, and well, as luck and fate will have it, he is actually a resident here in our country, in the Philippines. Yes. So we'd like to officially welcome to the SGP Podcast, Chili Willie. Ah, thank you, thank you. Hello, Chili Willie. How you guys doing? How are you? Good. How are you, man? I'm good. Man, I'm, I'm great. I'm glad to be here and, and uh, you know do this podcast with you guys and be a part of PWR. And uh, I'm just very thankful. No, we're thankful. Uh, we're thankful too that you're making time for us. And you know, I'm sure the boys of PWR when uh, when they listen to this, they'll also be happy to get an outsider's look into you know into what PWR has been up to and how wrestling here in the Philippines has been in the last year or so. But uh, we want to talk about you first. Okay, what's your story? Um, you know, I, I guess it. it uh, we we want to ask about your childhood. Like, where where is Chili Willie from? Uh, where uh, wh- where's your hometown, and how did you get into this business? Okay, well, first, man, it's, uh, it might be longer than hours. <laughs> Shit, uh, let me see. I started, well, I was born in North Carolina, and I was raised by my grandmother in New Jersey. And ever since I was about eight, nine, I started watching WWF. Uh, when I was in New Jersey, watching, you know, uh, Bruno Sammartino, S.T. Jones, Don Morocco, and then when uh, I would go down south to my mother, I would watch N.W.A., Ric Flair, you know, Jay Youngblood, Rick Steamboat, Dusty Rhodes, the whole nine, Georgia Wrestling. So um, that's pretty much how I kind of got into wrestling. So when I was, you know, in that that age bracket, I said, man, that's what I want to do. And as I got older, went to high school, as soon as I left high school in 87, wow, that's a long time. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't worry about it. Uh, I was still trying to get into the, to the wrestling business, um, but it didn't happen. Um, got married, and my first time that I stepped into a wrestling ring, I got married in 89. I went to Larry Sharp Monster Factory right. in 
New Jersey, Paulsburg, New Jersey. And it, I just did a one-night tryout there. Um, I'm not quite sure on this, but I think Tatanka at that point was was trying out or he was a, a member there at the Monster Factory. I, I'm not quite sure. But anyway, that night I was there. Came back to Rochester, New York. That's where I was married at. Um, and I said, man, I got to be a wrestler. It still didn't work out. Got divorced. Um, I didn't see a wrestling ring until 1997, 1997. And that was at my old high school. And you had guys like Carino, Joey Mercury, Christine York, the Hardy Boys, Lodi at the time. They were all doing a show, independent show at my high school. And there was roughly probably 20 people there. Is but this he, the Hardy's promotion? Like there? No, 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 no. This, was, this was a guy named... Uh, I want to say his name was Big, uh, I think it was Big Slam, a good friend of mine, but I'm not quite sure on that either. But my dad worked at the, the the high school, so I I got in there. I got in there free and kind of looked at it, and I said, wow, I want to do this. I want to do this. So lo and behold, C.W. Anderson's cousin was also there. His name was Dan Wright. He's He worked a little bit, but he was more so of a trainer. Yeah. If I may ask, why did it work the first few times? Well... Being married, I had to uh, get a job. I had to, you know, do the husband thing, whatever, <laughs> you know. And and that came first. I was only 19 at the right, time, right, so right. I was very young. Um, and so I started bouncing, you know, doing all that stuff and working at the clubs and doing security. So it didn't it, – I just kind of put it on a back burner. But I would always still watch wrestling. But I knew that – Man, I'm getting older. I need to do something. So work came first. Right. My priorities came first mm-hmm. before I could actually get in there. And when my marriage didn't go well, then that's when, you know, I went back home to my mom and I I found it there. That's where I found wrestling. And, and I met up with a guy named Dan Wright, uh, C.W. Anderson's cousin, and... They started training me and maybe two other guys, and then another guy came in. And his name was Gary Simone, and I think he used to go as the grappler um, way back in the '80s for WWE under a mask. And so that transpired. So I was getting trained by three people. Well, CW, Dan, and Gary—they kind of split up, and CW kind of went his way, and I was still training, but. It was with Dan and Gary, and what happened was CW got, no, Lodi, CW trained Lodi, and Lodi moved on to WCW at the time. And there was another guy involved. Well, make a long story short, CW went to, to uh, ECW. I kind of evolved on my own in independent circuit, mm-hmm. and from there was at a show one night. Steve Carino and CW came in. They were on break. And I cut a promo at some indie show. And CW said, man, I got to get him there. I got to get him to ECW. And so, and it wasn't a sure foot in. It was just come up, you know, check us out. Because, see, back in that back then, wrestling was, you, you had something to look forward to. Now wrestling is the only thing you really have, if you're working on an independent circuit in, in America, you are 
trying to get to the perform the, the performance center, which is in Florida for WWE, or you're trying to get somewhere like TNA, possibly Ring of Honor. But even TNA Ring of Honor, mm-hmm. you still you still want to get to the Mecca. Yeah. Of course, of course. If you're Muslim, the Mecca is Saudi Arabia. <laughs> yeah, if you're a wrestler, right. <laughs> wrestling is the WWE. Yeah. Right? So in Allah is mm-hmm. <laughs> God for the Muslim. Yeah. And Allah for wrestling is Vince McMahon. Right. I don't care how you put it. You know, so you're trying to get there. And back in the 90s, well, we had something to look forward to because WCW was going on and WWE was going on and ECW was going on, but it wasn't as popular because they didn't have a TV deal. Well, the guys were pushing. The Hardys did their thing. And and mind you, I was on a circuit in North Carolina with the Hardys. Like I said, Joy Matthews coming out of Virginia, Christine York. Uh, CW, Carino, them guys. And CW and Carino went to ECW. Well, I wanted to go anywhere. I didn't care if it was WCW, WWE. And I never heard of ECW, but I went, hung out with the guys, and went to a show, met some, met, met all the guys in ECW, and did a tryout one night. And it was in Virginia. And I worked Julio De Niro, and at that time it was Julio Fantistico, and he's been he was working much longer than me. Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, let it back it up. I was green, and I was even even in ECW. I was still green. Right. Yeah. I was not, you know, a polished wrestler, you know, but I think what Paul and Tommy saw in me. Was something because if you go back in my history and you look it up, I've had more wins in my ECW career than I had losses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that goes to show you that if you have more wins, that means they're trying to push you somewhere. They're trying to take you somewhere. Yeah. But only Paul knew what was going on with his business, so it never really evolved. But anyway, so I did the uh, I did my first match. And who was it against? Julio De Niro. Oh, okay, right, right, fantastical. And he was on a circuit, independent circuit, and uh, it was a good match. You know, I was, you know, it was just solid, just a regular solid match. <clears throat> At the end of the match, Tommy Dreamer comes to me and said, "You did okay, kid." You know, I said, "All right, great, great, great." You know, and he said, "Well, if you want to come next week and come to our show." We're going to be in Ohio somewhere. I don't know, somewhere far. Well, now, mind you, I'm still, I have a job. So I'm like, man, do I, do I, do I go to work <laughs> and try to pay these car note, you know, my, my, my bills, my rent? Mm-hmm. Or do I take this chance and, and get in my car and just go on the road and, and try to make it to the show? And that's quite a dilemma. I mean, you know, uh, some people would uh, would tell you they choose one over the other in a heartbeat, but it's 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 yeah. way harder when you're in that position. Yes, and some is. of our boys are finding themselves in this exact position as well, like yeah. in PWR. Yeah, if you, it, I tell anybody, man, if you if you have a job and you don't you don't see tomorrow, you can't see tomorrow, and it's and it's very bleak, and then there's wrestling. I mean, I, you got to do what you got to do. You know, to pay your bills. Because right now, unless you under contract with WWE, who's giving you that six-figure salary, right. m- millions of dollars, seven-figure, you're not going to make it. You know, so you got to work 
get your priorities straight first. Hopefully, you know. But I had a a, a boss that was kind of lenient, and I just said, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna try it. Went up and the next show, um, I I I don't know who it worked or whatever, but it just kept going. So Tommy Dreamer told me, say he he said, hey, you have a job if you want to keep coming. You keep coming, you have a job. You know, you're going to get paid. You're going to get paid at $75. I don't what is that in pesos? Uh, right now <laughs> or back then? <laughs> $75, that's all I was getting, all right, for a, for a show. Then the, then there was there was a uh, opening that, that opened up on the ring crew. Right. Because the, some of the guys, like the Baldies, they were helping put up the ring and that was another paycheck. So if you put up the ring and you wrestle, there's two paychecks because you were not on contract. Oh, wow. So for putting so you, up the ring. Yeah, put up yeah, you get paid for putting up the ring. But it's trust me, it's in wrestling terms it's like very, very low because that's like gas money oh, yeah, from, sure, from where sure. you're living. Mm-hmm. You can't survive off that, you mm-hmm. know. So you're talking two or three nights of doing it and it's not enough for the whole month. But I did it anyway. I did it for like six months. I just came to the point where I quit my job, and I was like, you know what? This is what I'm going to do. This is my only other chance. I'm going to do it. And that's what happened. And I did it until uh, we had a fight <laughs> with XPW, you know, outside of our uh, pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I, for- I forgot the name of the pay-per-view, Heat Wave or something. I don't know. But uh, that's when ECW had a big fight with, XPW, and from then on, that's when Paul said, "You know what? I'm going to start flying him instead of him driving every day, every every week to the shows. I'm going to start flying him." So it was kind of like a bump up. Okay, but I had to get out there and bloody up some people, and <laughs> it was for real, and almost got put in jail. It was like four of us. I think me, Mama Luke, Tony, Mama Luke. Uh, I want to say Kid Cash, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. It was like three or four of us got. Subpoena to to court, but it never you never it never evolved. But that's when Paul really started paying attention to me, and you know, so that's what that was. That's like pretty much my my story from there. And then after that, when ECW closed nine eleven, I went to the military, mm-hmm. right? And then um, got hurt, almost got killed, had lost Damn. lost some buddies. Um, Where were we assigned? Uh, in Iraq. Iraq. Okay. Uh-huh. And I got hurt in Samara. It's called Samara um, in Iraq. And uh, one of my closest friends at that time got killed. Right. And so when WWE came to the first time they ever – they do a show. WWE does a show with uh, supporting the troops. Tribute right. to the troops. Right, exactly. Yeah. Their first one – was I want to say back in nine, in 2003 because I got hurt in 2003 and their first time that they came to Iraq well at that time Rhino was working for WWE he told some people Vince or whoever I want to I want to see where Chili Willie's at let's go visit him well I got hurt at the same time it was November 22nd when I got hurt and my commander said Jones you know do you want to go home or do you want to wait and see your buddies come here in <laughs> WWE? 
And I said, hell no, I'm going home. <laughs> I'm sorry. I got to get out of here for Talk two weeks. It. Yeah, no, That was quite the Yeah, I, I got to get out of here for two weeks, man. I, you know, because being in, being in uh, you know, combat zone for eight, nine months, you want to go home. You know, yeah, You want to see family. It you changes wanna, people. Yeah, yeah. It, there you go. It changes forever. And so I was like, man, I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of getting shot at. I'm tired of shooting people. Or whatever, I want to go home. I'm sorry, I'll see the rest of them guys later. So they came. <laughs> anyway, they came. Stone Cold, all them guys came. I never met them guys. I never met Stone Cold, the big show, not like that at the time. But they came, and they came to my unit. They found my unit. And I have two posters back home in America where um, they all signed autographs. They met all my friends, everything, my <laughs> commander and everything. And I'm sitting home, I was like, damn, I should have I should have stayed. Now I would have met all the guys. The <laughs> only one missing was you. Yeah, exactly. And at, at that time, I didn't know Vince. So, you know, but uh, so then after that, 2004 came around and I was getting out and they had a spot open for me. And, well, they were trying to push this, this gimmick where uh, at the time SmackDown was doing the insurgent type um, uh, gimmick with um, Muhammad had, Hassan. Yes, exactly. Snooker Junior and Davardi, those three guys had a, a gimmick, and they were doing that, and they wanted me to come in, be an American hero, you know, sort of like the GI Bro type right, thing. Right. Wow. Okay. But so I got a sign. I got. I got. I got a contract. Went to OVW. You know, and I was in a class with Bobby Lashley, Boogeyman, Beth Phoenix, Dolph Ziggler. What a class. Damien Sandow. Yeah. I was in, and we're talking 2004, 2005. Yeah, so, so. This is when he was still Idol Stevens. Yes. Exactly. So Amazing. I mean, you got you to gotta, you gotta take note that it took this long for, if you, when people see Dolph Ziggler or they see same, uh, Damien Sandow, and when they see them guys, they're just not coming off the street and becoming wrestlers and becoming great. It took them that long to, to get here. Right. You know what I mean? So they've been around a long time, you know. Uh, so a lot of guys was down. A lot of people were down there. So anyway, um, we uh, they wanted me to do that. And my mind wasn't right. You know, I just came straight from Iraq, not even going home, getting settled down to Kentucky, OVW, where the, the, the school was at. And... And once again, I was married there too. You right, know, right. I've been married twice, and so this time, I wanted to see my wife. At the time, I was like, "I'm not even going home." And the contract, the money was coming in every month. The money's coming in untaxed. Damn, I'm talking big money. I was on, I wasn't on developmental pay status, although I was in developmental. In developmental, yeah. yeah, I was getting paid roster pay. Because they knew that, okay, this is Chili Willie. Give him a couple of months, he's, he's going to be ready. Well, it was like starting me all over again with wrestling. I had lost all. I didn't lose what I, I knew I knew. It was just putting it into motion, mm-hmm. you know, a simple hip toss, you know, a simple uh, um, arm drag, arm drag, scoop slam, right. you know, suplex. You know, basic stuff. coming off the ropes, you know, but executing it right at the right timing. 
I was lost. Was it a matter of not having the muscle memory, or was it the PTSD that got in the way? Yeah, it was. It was. I think it was a little bit of both, but mostly the PTSD that was getting in the way. Because when I got in the ring, I wanted to really fight. I wanted right. to like when I saw you, it was like rage. It was like like a shoot fight. Yeah, ex- exactly. And so, you know, Bill Demont and Lance Storm, who was trainer, you know, they, they didn't really see a lot of it. But one time, uh, Tommy Dreamer came in. And he he refereed one of my matches. And he said, uh, I think he said, block, block the kick, and block the kick and elbow to the turnbuckle. Oh, no, headbutt to the turnbuckle. Right. So, not, I, let me see, I'm trying to get it right. Block the kick. Well, anyway, he, no, block the headbutt, give the elbow, and then I give you the headbutt. So what I was supposed to do was, if if you're taking my head and taking it to the elk to the to the turnbuckle, I was supposed to block with my foot, mm-hmm. give you the elbow, yeah. and then you go. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I didn't do none of that. I lost it, and I don't know. It, it just didn't look right. So Tommy said, "Oh, whoa, 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 chili." He said, "I don't know what they did over there to you, but they fucked you up." He said, "You're not the same chili Willie from ECW. You're." Just like it's not registering or something. I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. So he sat me down. Then one day, that was just one incident, Stephanie McMahon came in, Paul Heyman, John Laurinaitis came in. Well, when they come in, they're going to pick you out. They want to pick out the best guys and girls that, you know, in OVW, send them up to the roster. But you got to run a match in front of them. you got you got to cut a promo. And Steph was part of this process. Yes. Wow. Trust already, me. already. Let me tell you, this is it's 2003. Okay. Steph, and this is a whole other subject. Stephanie McMahon is, if Miss McMahon is Allah, then she, <laughs> she is definitely Muhammad. Muhammad. <laughs> <laughs> because she is, if something ever happens to him, God forbid, she's right there. Okay. That's, that's hers. That's, that's hers. her baby. She is no, but anyway. <laughs> Um, so I cut a promo and no, it, we did a match with someone. And so she she began to talk about, she says, well, tell us, tell tell us about your time in, in Iraq. And for some reason I broke down. I just started crying because it got real and I walked out. And so, and that's what they do too. You know, I'm jumping all over the place, but WWE will take your personal business. That's true. And make it a gimmick, mm-hmm. yeah. and make it a storyline. Yeah, you know, Lita and Matt Hardy, yeah, exactly, and and, that, and, and Edge. You yeah. know what I mean? Lana and, and and Rusev. I don't know what's going on with them, but I'm quite sure there's something going on there. Got to be, <laughs> <laughs> got to be, because she's they, they're they're together. You know, so I don't know what that deal is. But anyway, so they wanted to take that and exploit it. And every time that I was supposed to do an interview with Jim Cornette, because he was the teacher. Also, he was, you know, on Wednesdays, I'm, I'm, here I am, I'm, I'm supposed to cut a promo, and it, it's supposed to be emotional to the people, you know, I'm an American hero, and I just can't do it, and, you know, I was in Iraq, and I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. The first time was unexpected, it was real, you know, yeah. and so it was maybe two or three months after that, then I got canned, and they were like, you know, John Lord and I were like, hey, Chili, you know, uh... Vince Senior work and he, he likes your work, but you know he doesn't. He just feels that you're not into it, and you know. And, and I was like, yeah, I'm not. I really want to go home. 
He's like, well, yeah, but we can see you. To, we can see you to Puerto Rico. You know, <laughs> there were Carlos Lacon, Cologne, and you know, at that time, I think it was uh, Dick Martin, not Dick Martin, but uh, Martel, the one Jeb Colder, Cold, whatever, the one that did with he with the uh, Real Americans. Yes. Zeb Colder. Yes. Zeb Colder. Yeah, exactly. He, they were down there doing that uh, gimmick down in Puerto Rico, and I was like, no, nah, man, just send me home. Take my black ass home. <laughs> <laughs> and so they still pay me for three. They pay you for three months after. That's good. I went good. home. <laughs> you know, I went home and it wasn't until 2000, that was what, 2005, 2006. It wasn't about till 2008 or nine. I got, I got back in the ring. Finally got back in the ring back in North Carolina. And I was just, you know, but I was independent and wasn't trying to go nowhere. Yeah do anything i just at that time everything all all the other stuff was behind me you know but uh you know so that's that's a little bit about my my history of 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 wrestling and how i got to the philippines was i came here in 2009 Mm -hmm. and i went back home and then i decided to come back here the first time you came here for what What was just just a visit yeah, just tourism. Oh, you know, okay. You heard about were you alone? Were you yes, alone? Friends? Yes, wow. uh, yeah, I was alone. I, actually, I, w- I would watch TV, and it was a show on called uh, Andrew Andrew Zimmerman. Okay, he does he does a food show. Oh, Bizar- yeah, yeah, bizarre yeah, yeah. foods. Yeah, yeah. And so he was he was doing a thing with with, with the Philippines and the Baloop. And yeah, yeah. I was like, yo, I gotta go try that <laughs> shit. So you went here for me. <laughs> that's it. Like, that's it. That's all it, took. <laughs> that's all it took to get you to come here is fucking Baloot. No shit. I was like, Baloot? And then they were showing the chicken gut thing. Yeah, so, yeah, so, yeah. We ate that last night, me and, me and Chona. Hello, Chona. Say, say hello. Anyway, <laughs> we ate that. And then they were eating, like, the blood. Uh, Betamax. Yeah. So I was like, the street food got me. Yeah. I was like, yo, I got to go try this shit. And it so, never gave you the shits when you tried it. No. <laughs> I just, I said, I got to go to the Philippines and check this shit out. I mean, you survived Iraq. You can survive yeah, Pinoy exactly. street food, right? Yeah, well, so I came over here and uh, stayed like three weeks. Then I went back and I didn't come back until six years from now, which is February. Why did you come back, though? Why did you decide to come back? Why? Yeah. Well, I was in Costa Rica for three years. I went home for a year. And I said, you know... When I found out that the uh, Philippines had a VA hospital, okay, yeah, I said because I, I really don't want to stay in America because it's just I don't know I just want to I wanted to live outside of the U.S. But I needed somewhere where I could, if I needed to go to the hospital for whatever reason mm-hmm. as a veteran, yeah, I could go. Okay, right. Costa Rica didn't have that, mm-hmm. you know. Although Costa Rica is beautiful, you know, but when I really when I did my research and I was like, oh, Philippines has the the VA, you know, they cater to the veterans like that, and yo, let's go, let's go to Philippines. So here I am. Thank God you didn't come back because you missed Balut. <laughs> <laughs> no, so so that's why I'm here, you know, and and then you know I met Chona, and so here I am, you know. I want to ask about the stuff you've been doing outside of wrestling. You know, just to take a quick detour for a bit. I mean, uh, you mentioned that it took three years from when you got cut from OVW and when you went back to the indie. So what what did you do in the, in those three years? And after you stopped wrestling in, um, in the indies in the U.S., what have you been up to? Like, what did you do in Costa Rica? Like, what jobs did you get? Well, okay, well, I was, um, I was, I, 
after I, I left uh, OVW, WWE, I went into the prison system as a guard. As a guard. Mm-hmm. So I worked there for like a year or two, something like that. Well, from my injuries in the the military, um, you get what you call a um, compensation for your injuries. And, and it and then you start to work on your pension and all that stuff. So my dad was telling me, he said, you know, you have a bronze star, purple heart. You know, those big medals in the, in the, in the United States military. Yeah. And uh, so it really didn't dawn on me, but I knew I knew that I had, you know, PSD a little bit or something was going on. Nightmare, yeah. nightmares and all that good stuff. So I would go and I went to the VA, got checked out, put in a, a claim, and it started coming through. So once um, they diagnosed me with, with with PTSD, then I couldn't work at all. So now the money that I was getting was much more than what I was getting as working. So I stopped working. Mm-hmm. That's when I stopped. And so um, then after that, I said, well, you know what? I just stay home and uh, I was getting, staying home, being bored or whatever. But then my friend opened up an MMA gym in my local town, and I said, you know, I'm gonna, go, you know, just go help you out, check it out, and see what's going on. And, and so I started helping guys with boxing, kickboxing, and in, in MMA, stand up. I didn't know jujitsu, still don't know jujitsu, <laughs> um, but uh, I was helping guys out and and females with boxing, kickboxing, and. After that kind of went downhill, his business went downhill, um, I just said, you know what, I'm going to move somewhere. One day I was sitting at home and I was going through my computer and I saw Costa Rica. Didn't know anything about Costa Rica. Never heard of it. <laughs> Bought a ticket. Was there. Stayed there for three years. Wow. Hanging out, beach bum, drinking, you know. Um, so then I came home last year and I stayed home. You know, with my mom or whatever. And then I said, you know what? I'm going to go to the Philippines. And that's what I did. So here I am. Um, Going back really quickly to your time in OVW, um, you know, feel free to, to tell me yeah. if, if you're uncomfortable no, discussing no, no, this. No, no, no. Go ahead. I want to ask about Bill DeMott. Okay. <laughs> oh, really? Like, how, how was he as a coach? And, like, to be blunt about it. Um, well, I'm sure you've heard about, you know, the Well, the I, I, I grew up, well, not grew up, but in the 90s, I, I watched him as a... Uh, Hugh Morris, yeah. Oh, I can't pronounce it. But anyway, and then when I saw him, um, I thought he was pretty cool. I, I didn't. There were some guys that may have complained a little bit, but you got to understand when you want to when you want to be something or do something, you're gonna no matter what the situation is, you, you're gonna listen to that person. And you're gonna take his shit, his or her shit. You know, mm-hmm. it's like being in the military. You know, you're in the military. Well, you gotta take the drill sergeant's mess. You know, whether he's good, bad. If he's yelling at you, motherfucker, you gotta get up, do some more push-ups, whatever, whatever. You're gonna do it. Yeah. Bill DeMont was the same way. All right. You know, he wanted you, even though, and, and Bill's, he's like a lot of wrestlers. You know, not a major star. You know, you don't have to be a major star to make a major star. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Look yes. at the person who, who, who trained John Cena. Mm-hmm. Probably never heard of him. I don't even know who he is, <laughs> you know. But whoever he trained, who, whoever trained John Cena, now John Cena is one of the greatest of all time. You know, same with Ric Flair, whoever, whoever. You know, so Bill DeMont, to me, being an OVW, 
he pushed us. You know, we, and, and the thing with OVW was you get up 8, 9. We start around 9, 10 o'clock in the morning, nine yeah. about 9 in the morning. And we didn't finish until about 4 at a break for lunch. So you're going in there, and you're not just booked. This is every day except for Wednesday because Wednesday was the show. You have an indie show. You're going in there, and you are warming up squats, push-ups, up-downs, running the ropes as fast as you can. Um, All these conditioning drills, You're doing drills. You're doing drills, 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 arm drag, hip toss, scoop slam. Arm drag. You're doing it over and over and over and over and over again, and then you're going to run a match at the end of the day. You're going to run a match. Then you're going to get critiqued about the match. Then you're going to come back tomorrow and do, do the same thing over and over again. So um, when you look at guys and girls in the wrestling world, especially in WWE, it's a lot of training that goes on with it. A shitload of training. It, this is not no, and 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 I look at it back, you know, in America, how people on the indies, they want to get there, they want to be on television so bad, bro, bro. I'm telling you, when you when you get there, it's not what you think it is. Mm-hmm. It is it. You have to, you have to push so much shit behind you. I mean, because wrestling comes first. You got to push your family behind you. It's 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 you got to entertain. It's a billion dollar corporation. WWE is a billion dollar plus corporation, and they're not gonna fuck it up or let you fuck it up because you think your idea is better. They got their own idea. They got their own way of doing things. So if they want to send you to the performance center, I don't care if you work for Ring of Honor. I don't care if you work with TNA. I don't care if you. Whatever. If they don't think you're gonna have to do it their way or no way, you still gonna have to be retrained. So you could you could work New Japan wrestling for I don't know how many years or whatever, and, and still and still go to WWE, and they might say, you know what, uh, just just go to NXT for a little bit, hey, just go to the the performance center just a little bit, and then we'll bring you up maybe. But it's, it's all up to what they think and what they want, you know, because that's what wrestling is. Wrestling is wrestling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. I, I want to ask something. about. Let's go back to talking about you and your time in wrestling for a little bit. Uh, I want to ask, we forgot to ask this at, at, you know, the earlier part of the interview or story. But uh, how did the name slash gimmick of Chili Willie come about? <laughs> <laughs> Have you been Chili Willie for your entire career? No. Well, yeah. Well, okay. How it started off was I was training, and um, <laughs> I had a, a friend, and they called the house, and and his his brother or something said, "Yo, Chill Will is on the phone." You know, because I was saying, Paul, oh, this, this is Will. Chill Will's on the phone. Because I wanted to come out as, as to be Cyrus the Virus from okay, uh, okay. from the movie, uh, oh, what's that? With Nicolas Cage, Cyrus the Virus. Let me look it, look it up. Look it up right now. What oh. is that movie called? Uh, cold, uh, cold Con Air. Con, Con Air. Air. Yeah, Con Air. Con, Con Air. Air. I wanted to be Cyrus the Virus. Right? So, through my practice, I was Cyrus the Virus, but the day that 
my friend, his name is Sammy. He's dead now. God bless his soul. He said that. I said, you know what? I, I, I went into practice. I said, I'm going to change my name to Chili Willie. So what was the gimmick? I mean, uh, what is Chili <laughs> Willie like? <laughs> Chili <laughs> Willie was um, a, a cool dude that was just laid back. Right. You know what I mean? I, I wear my godfather hat, my chain. You know, I was just a, a, a chill brother, you know, just chilling. So you, you worked know? baby face. Yes, I was yes, I was a baby face when I when I when I worked. I was actually the ghetto superstar on the indies. Okay. Chili Willie the ghetto superstar. But when I went to ECW, all right, they just called me Chili Willie, everyone's favorite homeboy because <laughs> everyone's favorite everyone's, homeboy. everyone's favorite homeboy because whenever we go to a town and it the rest of the the, uh, the ECW fans didn't know who I was because I'm, I'm, I'm a new guy coming out, curtain jerker, you know. Yeah. So they didn't know who I was. So they said, "Okay, well, uh, where you want to be from, Chili?" I said, "Well, we're, we're, what town are we in? You know, if we're in Baltimore, I'm from Baltimore. You know, <laughs> if, if we're if we're if we're in Tacloban, I'm, I'm I'm from Tacloban. You know." And that's where it's every town that I went to, every every place that ECW went to, I was from there. If it was in Chicago, I'm from Chicago. If I'm from, if we're in Ohio, I'm from Ohio. And that's how they build me. Chili Willie, everyone's favorite homeboy. That's not bad at all. <laughs> but did you ever feel like uh, there was a bit of uh, a stereotype that went with the gimmick, like especially with you being labeled as everyone's favorite homeboy? Did you ever feel that? Or was that ever an issue to uh, you? Were no, you no. Cool with it, yeah. Yeah, I was cool with it, man. I was just, you, you got to understand, you know, I was, I was just a green-eyed kid, guy, just wrestling, doing what I had hoped to have done in my life was to be in, in the square circle. And that's what I wanted to do as a kid. And here I'm doing it. So I, I, I wouldn't care what you call me, you know, um, as long as, you know, it's in the realms of wrestling or whatever, but you know, and if I know if it's not personal, you know, but, um, I was just happy, man. I was just stoked to be up in there, you know, be in the, in the wrestling world, you know, so, and, and, and that's what it is. You know, a lot of guys and women, they just want to be in wrestling. They don't care how they get there or how they do it. They just want to do it. But then it comes a time when you work for the Mecca. Yeah. Yeah. And all hell breaks loose. <laughs> you know, it's different. It's different from working any other wrestling organization in the world. WWE is no cakewalk. I'm telling you what, what you guys see every Monday night raw. If you watch NXT, I don't follow here. That's nothing. I don't follow wrestling. Like, like I probably like a lot of people, you know, I don't follow NXT. I don't follow ring of honor. I don't follow SmackDown. None of that. Mm-hmm. I may just watch raw. That's it. All right. That's, mm-hmm. that's it. You know, um, because, once from a person that's been there, that's been inside the the back rooms and and knowing how things work, you're like it it it, it leaves a, a taste in your mouth. I'm not saying it's a good taste, I'm not saying it's a bad taste. It's just a taste that you would never forget it because you've been there. Because you've been there and right. you've had that personal experience. Exactly. So then you start to see why people like CM Punk and and others do what they do because. They're like, you know, I love wrestling. I'm not going to stop watching wrestling. I'll probably watch it the day I die. Mm-hmm. But whenever I watch wrestling, it resonates. It's like war. It's like PTSD. Right. Wrestling could be like PTSD, too. 
You know, I know the good and the bad. You know, I know how things are ran. I know catering. You know, I know how things are set up. You know, there's not too many people that can say that, wow, you, you've had a one-on-one with Vince McMahon. Right? You're a wrestler, but you never had a one-on-one with Vince McMahon. You don't know how people act when they see Vince McMahon. People kiss his ass like he's God. And in the wrestling world, he, he is. may be. He is. You <laughs> At know? this point, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, so, so when I met him. When John Laurinaitis came to me and said, hey, Jelly, because he talked like that, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, Jelly, you know, go, go, go meet Vince. <laughs> you know, so here I am walking. I'm, I'm still in the military, but this is my first time ever meeting Vince McMahon. Now, mind you, every wrestling show, NXT, WWE does catering. So they have their own food before the wrestlers even go out. So that's probably like at 2 or 3 o'clock in the evening because they're there all day. So I go in, this is... Seven, right before the show, and Vince is sitting down, legs crossed, eating a sandwich. Not even from catering. He probably don't even eat the same food, or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Bunch of guys, you know, outside his door. He's inside. He's just chilling, you know. And I'm not nervous to the point of oh shit. Maybe four or five years prior to that, I would have been like, oh my god, this is. But after being in war. I came back with a different mindset. My mind wasn't like no man I feared, you know. Yeah. But before that, I was probably suck your dick, whatever. <laughs> it wasn't like that. It was like, yeah, what? <laughs> but so we sit down, and I'm, I'm talking to him, and you know, he's talking to me, you know. And, and but after that, you know, and, you, and, you, and he tells you, you know, what he expects, what he wants, you know. Get your body right. You know, we want you to be television right. He, he told me that. I want you to be, you're, you're military, right? You're your military body. But I want you, I want you television right. <laughs> Chili. Did I call you Chili? Where did you get that name from? Anyway. <laughs> he said, he said, that, he said, that he said Chili, really? He said, he said, I want you television right. And, and, and so after that, you know, then this is, at that time, Shane McMahon was around. Well, he comes in, you know, and. He's with his friends, and they're they're all kissing up to Vince McMahon, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, wrestling is that's what it that's that's what it is. I mean, it's it's just a it's it's a thing where WWE is just it's the holy grail when it comes to wrestling. And for me, I don't watch it as much, but like I said, I watch Raw, and that's about it, you know. So because I know what goes on. I, you know, I know how the people get paid at night. You know, I know that how, you know, a guy can do his match and then right after his match, he's, he's on a flight to the next to the next town. You know, I mean, right after, you know, uh, um, I, I, I know how, you know, you look into the 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 production booth, which is right next to the gorilla position, which is coming out. And your agents are there, and they're on the microphone, and they're talking to the referee. How much time you got in your match? Yeah, kill it. You got one minute. One minute, and go home. You know, if people don't understand that, if wrestlers, they're not used to that because on the indies they don't have that. You know, they don't have. You go home one minute. Got thirty seconds. Go home. You know, we could we could we could come out with a match. Me and Sai. Hey Sai, we got ten minutes. What are we gonna do? Right. But the referee could come in and say, because television. Per- uh, won't, won't, won't allow it. You have commercials got to come in and everything. Kill it in five minutes. So what we 
talked about for to do a two minute match. Yeah. Now we got to break it down to a three minute match, mm-hmm. and you got to be ready to go home just that quick. So all of that, if you're doing an everyday tweet, three hundred, two hundred, something days out of the year, it gets to you, man. I'm telling, I'm talking years. It gets to you, and if your mind, if your mind isn't wired to do that, then you're not going to make it in that business. I remember you mentioned earlier that uh, when you were talking to Vince, he commented on your uh, on your physique. It was yes. military ready, but he wanted you to be TV ready. Yes. So can you differentiate the two? Like, what did he yeah, mean? For those who don't know, when he <laughs> when he wanted you to be TV ready, <laughs> what were you at the time? Uh, I was probably two two thirty two forty two thirty. You know, um, in the military, you can have a body that looks like you're in like you're an athlete, like you're in shape or whatever. You know, you want to look pretty decent, you know, because you have to be. You have to run several several miles and whatever. Yeah. But now when you're on television, at six feet tall, you want to be at around at least 220, 230 because TV adds certain pounds on you. Yeah. All right. So the leaner you look, all right, and, and for certain people, the better they look. Look at a Dolph Ziggler. He's about 212, 220, something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Very lean looking. Mm-hmm. If you see him up in person, you'd be like, this guy's not a wrestler. <laughs> but when he takes off his, his shirt, mm-hmm. he's, he's got, he has a yeah. nice physique. Right. Then you look at a guy like Big E. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Big, short, yeah. With big, thick neck. Okay, he's big. He's He, he has guns. He's he's nice. He's, he's well. So at that point, I wasn't as... I wasn't because we don't lift a lot of weights in the military. Yeah. So you're doing a lot of push-ups. But I was fit, but not like he wanted me to be fit because Vince liked big guys. Yeah. He he still does. So it's true. Yes. It's true. He <laughs> loves big guys because he's from that era. Yeah. He's from the era back in the right. 80s. Wrestling was, I mean, guys are big. Mm-hmm. You come in looking like, you come in. you it, Looking like a model. <laughs> you come in now. If, if you came into wrestling back then. At 160, 70 pounds, yeah. <laughs> you, would get, you are a straight jobber. You're yeah. straight jobbing. I mean, you, <laughs> you're not even a curtain jerker. You're jobbing. Yeah. You don't even get a punch. You just straight you take done. <laughs> One, two, three. So, so now, I mean, Vince, he, he come from that era. He wants big guys. And so he saw that I, was, I had size on me, but I, I wasn't muscular enough for him to, you know, so he wanted you to bulk up. Right. And he saw that, and I didn't even have my shirt off. He just saw that. He wanted me to bulk up. And that's what, let me tell you, that's another thing. Wrestling, you have to have a wrestling body if you want to be, if if you want to be perceived as, as a wrestler. Not that you aren't a wrestler, but if I'm, if I'm walking down the street with my girl, or if I'm walking down the street, just period, walking my dog, and someone comes up to me and What's your profession? Well, if I don't look like someone or something, then it's it's not going to perceive that I am so. But if I look like, damn, he he he's something. You know, you ever see those guys that you look at him and you say, damn, he's he's a football player. Exactly. He's something. Yeah. 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 I don't know what he is, but that Muller. <laughs> if I if I. If, if I'm a robber or if I'm a, a, a person that just want to jack people up, I, trust me, people who get jacked up are people who, the, the ones who are doing it, 
they study, they look, they say, well, I'm not going to mess with that guy. Yeah, so let me I agree with it. <laughs> I agree so, with that. So, so let me pick that motherfucker right there. <laughs> I might have a better chance. With, and it's not always the case, but, you know, there's some big guys that get their ass whooped too. But nine times out of ten, if you if I want to jack your money and I want to get in and get out quick, I'm going to find a smaller guy than get the big guy. <laughs> yeah, you're, so, not, you're not going to beat up Cesaro. No, yeah. Hell no. So he, so a wrestler, wrestlers have to look apart, I think. You know, I don't say, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying you have to be 260, 70, 80 pounds. Those days are over. But you do, if you're 100 and, if you're 150 pounds, then that 150 pounds should reflect, damn, that little fucker, is, he's got some knots on him. He has some guns on him. He has some traps on him. He has some pecs on him. He has something. You know, he looks like an athlete because we're performers, but we have to look like performers. We have right. to not just be performers, but you have to look like performers. You have to take pride in what you're doing and say, okay, I'm going to do this this way, and, and, and i got to perform because that's what your people are paying money to come see you as. You know, they want to see us wrestlers and they want to say damn he that's a wrestler and he hits like a wrestler he looks like a wrestler he's a fucking because everyone can't do this everyone's not supposed to be able to do this that's right yeah you know i can't i can't play basketball (laughs) not everyone can play basketball not everyone can play golf not everyone can play tennis so you have to hone your skills and honing your skill and part of that in wrestling is looking apart you have to somehow you have to somehow look apart Thank you so much to Chili Willie for one hell of an interview, but that's not over. We're not going to end it there just yet because next week we're going to give you part two of our interview, our sit-down with Chili Willie. Now, before we get on out of here, we got to give you our picks of the week. And if you're new to the podcast, then it's that time of the week when we tell you the most must-see match, promo, segment, podcast, or or book, or whatever that we came across this week. And uh, this week... It's all about NXT TakeOver Respect. Okay, my pick of the week is, well, twofold if you actually want something from Raw. Uh, uh, Let's get the Raw one out of the way. I like John Cena versus Big E. It was a good match for what it was. Yeah. Uh, Even though it was, like, not the best match in the Open Challenge series. Uh, Big E, I don't know how or if it's just because he stepped in with Cena. Uh It was, like, the best match I've ever seen from Big E. They didn't match that they see Cena and Big E, haven't they? Like when uh, Big E was under Dolph Ziggler, maybe under but, his you know. But that was like what two years ago? Yeah, two and years he ago. wasn't that he wasn't as good as he is now. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I really enjoyed this one, and it really showcased him and what he can do. But my second pick of the week is the opening match of NXT Takeover Respect, the the semifinal of the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic between. Uh, Finn Joe and the mechanics, mostly because it was ama- It was an amazing match, considering that they were well. One of one team was going to have to wrestle another match later that night, um, and you haven't seen. We haven't really seen a lot of the mechanics. Uh, if we do see them on TV, it's 
they're usually jobbing. Yeah. So to see them actually fighting like they have a chance to win was a nice sight to see. And I would really like more tag teams to have uh, the same chemistry as the mechanics do. And, of course, Finn Joe, obviously two of the best wrestlers in on the NXT roster. Uh, when you mix up those four, when you get ple- with the pleasantly surprising work of the mechanics, that is uh, an amazing match to watch. It was the the best match I think of of the entire series that night. All right, now before I get to my pick of the week, can I just say on the record that I'm glad I called it the New Day would not stop uh, fucking around with John Cena anytime soon. Okay, I'm just saying. It's, I don't even it's, remember that. Huh? I don't even remember well, that. Well, I do. Because it's not every day that I call something right and I'll be like, yeah, I was on to something. So I, I'm just, I, I called it on the podcast. So I'm, I'm glad. And uh, by the looks of, of uh, the ending on Raw, it's not going to end anytime soon. Um, my pick of the week, obviously, is the, the uh, Iron Man match, Sasha and Bailey. Um, I really have a soft spot for these huge matches where the underdog just uh, pulls out the win, ekes it out, and, you know... Um, you couldn't have written it any better. Um, Rose said it uh, best when he said Nasasha just healed it up uh, the, as best as she can using every heel tactic she could to get the crowd to hate her even though everybody loves Sasha Banks and to elicit real emotions like making AZ cry. Um, you know, um, it, it's it's times like that when you get roped in and you're like, holy shit, this is a really good story. Um, and, and we discussed this at length earlier, but, you know, um, the maturation of the Bailey character, not just... Um, not just in those 30 minutes, but over the last two years, has been quite the sight to see. And it was just great seeing, um, you know, the culmination of that story arc. And I can't wait to see more of Bailey. Like, if you haven't been a fan of Bailey heading into TakeOver Respect, um, if Brooklyn wasn't enough to convince you, maybe Respect is. And should Respect be. should be. You know, um, Sasha Banks has enough matches under her belt to make anybody a fan. And she's easily my favorite diva right now. Uh, but uh, this match between Bailey and Sasha was better than their Brooklyn match, in my opinion. Um, oh, yeah, it was. No, yeah. no doubt. It, it, it was better. So if you had to bring a newcomer to the NXT women's division and show them something, let's start off with that. Uh, Bailey versus Sasha, the Iron Man match. Both. Sasha won both matches. And, and, and the Brooklyn match. And then maybe after that, you can you know show her Sasha Becky or the Fatal 4-Way. I wonder if Izzy knows it's a work. <laughs> I don't think so. She doesn't look like she's yeah, old enough. Like, should, how, she's a child. How is she going to grow up into that? She's a child. One day, when, one day she will realize that, that Sasha was working her. No, you know and what one would day, be maybe, awesome? Maybe that would be the moment uh, she decides, I'm going to be a wrestler. Exactly. And I'm going to get back at Sasha Banks. No, you know what? Uh, Let me pictures in the AJ uh, when she was young with Lita and she was crying and yeah. shit. What if you knew moment the Izzy? Like, this is it for Izzy. Like, one day she's going to have her moment. And you created a new superhero. Yeah. <laughs> that, that night. Izzy will be the spiritual successor to Bailey. Oh. That would be fun. That would be a great story. Like, uh, 10 years down the road, you and I, let's have a chat. Let's talk about Izzy. Let, let's look her up where she is now. Hopefully no, 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 within we, we WWE's it, We call it right here. Yeah. Hopefully in 10 years, she's within WWE's radar, if well, not already she's like, there. What, she's like, what, six years old? Seven? Eight? Seven. I don't 10 know. years? Uh, I don't know. 
Yeah. Anyway, uh, that brings us to the end of episode 82 of the SGP podcast. Stay tuned for next week, part two of the Chili Willy interview. And uh, we'll, be, we'll start talking to the boys and girls of PWR again as we head on closer to the next PWR live event, which is at the end of October. All right. In the meantime, in the between time, we've got to give them a shout out. Follow them for more updates on Facebook. It's uh, facebook.com slash phwrestlingrevo on Twitter and on Instagram. It's at PWRofficial. And, uh, of course, a big thanks to our folks here at the Mellow 94.7 Studios for always hooking us up, for making the Rafe Bartholomew episode happen last yeah. week. And, and not just that. Uh, thank you to everyone who listened to the Rafe Bartholomew episode. Yeah. Um, it, it, it really meant a lot, especially given that uh, Gilas is the spirit animal of this podcast. <laughs> and it, it was a, gr- it, it was a great uh, conversation with one of my one of my idols as well. And now thank you for listening to this Chili Willy episode as well. Uh, again, we'll be hearing more from him next week. But right now, if you have anything to say, anything to argue or, or, or agree on with us, hit us up on Twitter, on social media. It's at underscore Stancy, at Rose War. For Camus, it's at Caveman Camus. And for the show, it's at The SGP Podcast. Now, with that, you guys enjoy your weekend or enjoy the start of the week or you know, whenever the hell you get around to listening to this. We're out of here. Peace. Namaste.